Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. All right, everybody, we are live now with Chetan from Genactus Consulting. Chetan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Eddie. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Busy week, busy days, and it's always great to stay busy. Uh, I wanted to start with the first question. I always like to give the audience a little bit of background into who we're speaking with. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you broke into the outsource sales industry? Sure. So my name is Chetan Kohli. I started the company called Genactus Consulting roughly 10 years back. And all through my life, uh, and I've got now 30 years of work experience, all in sales. And lastly, all in all in B2B sales as well. So we were doing all of this bit earlier for different organizations before we thought that it's better to do something on our own and we can benefit a lot of lot more people that way. Mm. So that's a little background about us, what we do. Uh, but essentially in my 30 years experience, last 22, 23 years have been in software and that too in various kinds of software. So right from a software product sales to services sales to implementation sales, so all different kind of sales, but largely my thought has always been on to solution sales okay. and we champion in that one. So we picked up when we started Genactus, we said we'll focus only on B2B software sales because that's where we champion it. And we have spent so much amount of time in that space. Awesome. So that almost answers my second question, Chetan, which was going to be, uh, who are the best fit customers for Genactus Consulting? So to recap a little bit, you have been, uh, Genactus has been around for 10 years, but you have more than 20 years, 30 years almost of experience in B2B sales when you decided to, after working for other companies, doing sales for them, decided to create your own company. You said, hey, let's focus on B2B sales, specifically software companies. Now, that's a very big umbrella, right? There's many uh, software services, software products, SaaS uh, solutions from small, medium companies to enterprise companies. So double clicking on this question, who would be your best fit customers within the software realm, within the software development? So obviously co companies which are into B2B space um, from a software perspective, that's obviously one part that's given. The second part is that they need to be a little, um, you know, it could be any kind of size, but their software needs to be focused. For example, if they're focused on manufacturing, we are a very good fit for them because we understand manufacturing a lot better than other verticals. Not to say that we don't focus on those ones. We do focus because for each and every product that we pick up, every product has a different set of, you know, offering to their customers and their customers could come from manufacturing. They could come from BFSI. They could come from retail or any telecom, any place. And we've worked with all of these kind of things, but we've seen much better results come from manufacturing and Second one will be the BFSI segment that we work with. So these two segments, if you focus on that one, I think we could be a good agency to work with. Can you repeat the second one for me, please? The first one was manufacturing and the second one? Is BFSI. So it is banking, financial services, and insurance. 
perfect. Banking, financial services, and insurance. In manufacturing are two great industries or, or companies that you have done outbound for in the past and have been very successful, which ties in with my next question. I wanted to share a little bit of a success story. Why don't we highlight one of your service offerings and how has that worked for maybe a company in manufacturing or BFSI? How about that? Sure. So um, one of the places where we worked um, was that you know we, we, there was a company which came to us and we were able and this was our offering was complete sales outsourcing. That means right from we participated with them to create the sales strategy to go forward to achieve the kind of numbers that they were talking about. And then once you've decided the strategy, implemented the whole strategy for our whole sales cycle as well. And that's one of the key things that we do. So we do wholesale cycle. We just don't do lead gen and or appointment settings and all that. We do the complete sales. That means we would don the hat of the customer. So that means I would have your email IDs. I would have your um, visiting cards, everything. We will go and meet customers as well or prospects, I should still say, uh, from their space. And we will work with them directly. Um, and so for one of the companies, they gave us a charter that, you know, their sales had not been growing for some time. And uh, for two years, there were pretty much stagnant sales. And when we came and we said, you know, there's going to be a little bit of change in positioning that they have. So first and foremost, I think um, it was good to work with that company because they were excellent listeners. And the founders of that company were really, really looking at changes and they allowed us a free hand to make all those changes that way. And, and we worked very closely with them. So we did the strategy, came out with a new positioning. And I think with that new positioning, we were able to really take them to the market. We were able to double their revenue in that year that we worked with them. And the next year, we again had projected to increase it by another, double it up. But uh, fortunately, unfortunately, that company got uh, bought over by somebody else. So uh, we had to lose. But I think we did play a role that way, even when they got bought over because that size was started becoming appealing to that customer. Yeah, they grew up. They grew up. It, it enhanced their valuation, and probably the the owner made a better exit uh, after hiring you than if they had yeah. sold the company before hiring you. So there's a few things to unpack here on that story that you share. So they were stagnant in their sales. You adjusted positioning, which I would assume is the messaging. But how will we peel it back? You said. For this company, I was doing full sales cycles. So there was not just appointment setting. You were closing deals. This was a closing service. I yes. would assume the primary measure for of success was either number of closed deals or revenue generated. Which one was it? So it was both initially, but later on it became just revenue generated because initially, because they were not getting any new customers. So we first kept a target of getting some more new logos on the plate. But then we started saying we'll do we'll do the numbers as well. So we started picking up the numbers target and started working with them. And I think that's why, because the target was there, so we were able to double up the revenue okay, as well for these guys. Now, you, you just mentioned the target, right? And I would imagine part of that strategy, right, that you mentioned at the beginning where, where your buyer was very open, very open to changes, listening to the recommendations, you made some adjustments to the strategy what was the target audience for this service? Who were they selling to, right? So what industry, what geographies, what languages? Help me understand that, please. Sure. So we started with uh, selling 
first and foremost to the BFSI segment, banking, financial services, and insurance. We included manufacturing in that segment, their service offerings, we included that. Uh, initially, we started with only India as a market, but later on expanded even to Europe and to US. And US, we found a lot of more critical success, which helped, so the India business and the US new business helped us do the doubling of the revenue for them. Perfect. Uh, so double the revenue. They were stagnant. You were able to increase um, by 100% the revenue if it's a doubling. And yeah. when it comes to these audiences that you mentioned, first in India, then Europe, then the U.S. that you were reaching out to in BFSI and manufacturing, was there a specific decision maker that you were trying to reach? Was it business owners, chiefs of operations? Who was the, the target decision maker for this campaign? So uh, the, the decision makers were, when you go to uh, any company uh, for software, they were largely the chief uh, information officers, CIOs and CTOs of those companies um, were largely the decision makers. But at the same time, there's the influencers like CFO is an influencer uh, or sometimes a decision maker because ultimately he's the person who's paying out, uh, taking care of cash. So those were the, largely the cases. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Now you did mention we were able to double the revenue of this stagnant company. How long did it take you to double the revenue? Was it a six month, three month? How long was the sales cycle as well? So the normal sales cycle was roughly three months uh, for every deal to happen, but doubling of the revenue happened practically nine months. It took us nine months because first three months was still, you know, understanding what kind of stuff do they do what kind of a good stuff that they do because we wanted to change the positioning and highlight that part out rather than all the things that they were able to do so pick up one thing and beat completely on that one and that is where we were able to create a good differentiator and do work with a lot of bigger names that way for them okay wonderful so nine months to double the revenue of the company but the first three months you were iterating and trying to understand what was the right target the right message to then put a little bit more let's say umph and steroids on bringing that out and really converting the right type of prospect so i guess that takes me to my next question which would be what is the typical onboarding process for genactus consulting when they do closed deals how long does it take what are the steps that you go through so uh, usually we have uh, a, some very common steps that we take. We go in, we understand what does this company do? What is their product or a service to? What kind of a customers do they want to go, go after? Mm -hmm. And what kind of a revenue are they looking for? Or how, how many deals are they looking at closing, right? So you start understanding what exactly is the ask for us to deliver. Right. And at the same time, you start looking at what are the different things that should be there to get those kind of results. So it is not just the sales part that needs to be there. A lot of times we have seen that, you know, customer would come back and say, hey, I want 20 deals to be done and they do not have any marketing collateral to support. Right. So the point is, whatever we want to do, we look at it as a strategy and then kind of device. So we will get trained initially on on the product or the service so that we can speak the language and then understand the benefits that it can draw or we will create benefits along with those guys in case they have not even thought about those ones earlier so create the benefit statements around then 
start to say how do we do this then we follow because for every kind of a product or a service there could be a different um rpc the right party contact the kind of designation that we have to go after so we choose those ones choose the verticals choose even the segment so for example even if i say i'm good with manufacturing this product looking at their price point i know only people who have more than you know 100 million dollars as a revenue will suffice so anybody lesser than them will not buy this software right mm-hmm. or we start understanding that they should have uh, sap or a oracle system within them then only they'll buy so if you kind of pick up and create that niche and very focused segment with to whom you have to target your product or the service in that case and so that's the usual preparation time and i think you were asking for how do we go about preparing for ourselves right yeah and how long it takes as well that onboarding so so usually this takes a week to two weeks time sometimes it and the two weeks time is largely when the product or the service is a little bit more complex in nature because you have to understand so that you can speak and present it rightly uh in most of the very very complex products um, we do get help from the uh, our customer with respect to any kind of technical help that we might need for pre-sale activity or for demos and other things so their teams participate along with us in the sales cycle as well okay perfect so it sounds like the first one to two weeks of the onboarding process you dig deeper into the product but more than the product and its features is understanding who is this for how do they use it what problems does it alleviate right and then you go ahead and continue crafting the messaging and 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 further down the outreach and also iterate because you did mention three months you just mentioned two weeks for the onboarding but you mentioned in the success story that it took you three months to continue to iterate until you understood and found a niche that was working that you blew it up in and on the next six months meaning three plus six equal nine months, you double the revenue. Now, good. Now, I want to learn a little bit about, you mentioned for that specific success story, you were selling to manufacturing, banking, financial services, and insurance. That was the target audience. How do you create the lead list for a campaign like that? What sources do you use? How do you generate those leads? Make make sure you have good phone numbers, good emails, and whatnot. So we use a couple of, tools and I think um, a lot of people use those tools as well so you have on one side uh, discover databases uh, you can take subscription of that to create a database um, on one side the second side is a LinkedIn which uh, also if you take a sales navigator and all that you can create a good list uh, and I think uh, still even if you get all these two lists uh, especially I'll talk from discover or a seamless or any other software that you might a platform that you might be using to get the data right. you still need to verify the data because the data can get stale because somebody might have resigned yesterday and it is not listed with them right so you've got to be checking that out testing it out to create the list but before even getting that data you should we are very clear on wh- whom we are going to be targeting who's my right party contact which is the kind of profiles that i want to go after which is the company profile i want to go after what is the person profile that I want to go? So you create all these personas and with the personas, you go after and start creating a list. And then you can use these tools and uh, to create a list, but also to, in some cases, to reach out. For example, in a, if I'm using LinkedIn Sales Navigator, I can also reach out to those people through LinkedIn as well. 
Okay, perfect. So that takes me to the next question. To you, just to recap before the I ask it, you said look identify the right personas first with the right personas job titles industries size of companies etc that's when you go to different databases you may use discover.org sales navigator even enhance that data with tools like seamless and others but you said hey that also becomes a stale quickly or outdated quickly i have some extra processes maybe uh to clean those before you start the outbound and you said linkedin Help me understand, when it comes to the sales sequences, what channels do you use? What goes first? What goes later? And more or less, how many touches would one prospect receive in a monthly basis? Okay. Um, again, uh, before I answer that, just keep in mind that we only do B2B. So it's not a B2C. So obviously the touch points and everything else have to be numbered so that we don't get into a spam situation with them. So Correct. we keep that in mind. So our usual first outreach is obviously on LinkedIn to the person we want to get connected to him. We see his, all his profile later on, reach out to him, request him for a time slot and other things, and then try and arrange a call. The second touch point is usually we also create a campaign, email campaign list as well, so that we can reach out to people over email. So some people might respond back on LinkedIn. They may not respond back on LinkedIn, but then we send out an email also. Uh, we have restricted ourselves from phone calls, especially when you look at anything outside India. If you look at India, the phone calls still work quite well, but outside India, the cold calling is literally off right now from our perspective as of right now. So we focus on these two and we are very comfortably able to generate uh, 10 plus leads per lead gen person per month. Uh, again, it boils down to keeping in mind who's the my target persona. What if it's a very, very niche, then obviously 10 will be a higher number. But otherwise, generally, that's the norm that we have. The thumb rule that we have is that we should be able to generate that many leads from that because lot out of 10, I'm sure five or six go as deferred or junk and they would just like to know more about you rather than actually a good prospects. But, so that means every month we are able to generate four to six prospects as well. Those are four to six prospects that you have interacted with, correct? Yes, we've interacted with 10, but four or six are some people who are going to go ahead and continue the discussion with us. I want to clarify something for the audience because you mentioned leads, but you definitely work more than 10 leads. You work a, a larger number of leads those 10 are the ones that are able to connect with, right? Have a conversation. And out of those 10 that you connect with and speak, you said around four, maybe six, do take that next step, which would be probably a discovery meeting, a set appointment to yeah. discuss with sales in more detail the solution that you're promoting. Perfect. And sure. you mentioned in the sequence, uh, it's a careful number of touches. This is, not, this is not spamming. This is not high volume. This is a careful approach where you use LinkedIn first, email yeah. as well, and then phone, but not as a first touch, but maybe more like a follow-up. In India, particularly, you said phone calls are still working fine, but in other regions, not so much. What other regions outside of India, you mentioned uh, earlier, you had target some places in Europe, some places in the US. Can you please confirm these services? What regions do you typically cover? So we covered... Like I said uh, earlier, Australia, uh, Asia Pacific, and US. 
all three Perfect. regions. And I just want to, Eddie, if you allow me, um, for me, a lead means person who's interested in talking to us. So that's why I said, you know, 10 people were interested in talking or understanding more about the service is a lead. Anybody before that is still an MQL, right? It's a marketing qualified lead. The person may or may not take it forward. So uh, that's our internal definition of lead. Sorry, I should have said that earlier as well to you. It's okay. It's a great comment uh, because there's a lot of companies and a lot of people that use these terms indefinitely or with different definitions. Chetan, everyone technically is a lead, but what is the level of qualification of the lead? And you just clarified something good. They've been exposed to the content of the company, marketing qualified lead, because they have not interacted with us yet, have not expressed an interest in speaking with sales. But as soon yeah. as you outbound them, continue to push the content, and they said, I'm willing to take up a call, they're an sales qualified lead sql you mentioned yeah. you speak with around 10 of those per month per rep and out of those 10 that decide yes i want to talk to your sales team about four to maybe six do take up a discovery meeting they continue to be uh, a sales qualified opportunity until they either close or get out of the pipeline right absolutely you okay wonderful. absolutely right so we've covered how you build the target lead list, how you execute the sequence. The last element that I have to ask you around your closing service would be what type of performance do you report? What type of dashboards or how do you report your performance? What are the KPIs and how do you do it? So uh, KPI is pretty simple. Um, you know, there's many number of leads. Uh, there's many number of opportunities in the pipe and this much in the revenue. So we look at all three because it is not just revenue, but health of the pipeline also is pretty important so that there's a regular feature for you, right? Uh, we uh, do two kind of reporting. Sometimes we use our own CRM where we keep on putting the data. But most of the time, if you're working with a bigger organization, they may already have a CRM. So we kind of use their CRM, mm -hmm. enter all the data there. We use that. So all the reports actually come out from them. And last but not the least, somebody does not want any kind of CRM to go. Excel is a pretty good CRM that way, I must say. Awesome. So you can, and, and it's especially uh, important because you are going to close the deal. So if they have a system, they typically are going to want you, your buyers are going to want you to work on their CRM. But as you yeah. mentioned, depending on the stage of the company, not every company that you work with is a well-mature company with a well-established CRM and processes for their sales. That's when you can either create a separate instance you work from or even spreadsheets. Hey, good old reliable spreadsheets, well-organized with the right status and fields. They still work fine for a lot of people, right? Um, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, one last thing uh, to give the audience some context around these opportunities. What was the average deal value and how long were the sales cycles? Sure. Uh, and while I do that, there's one more point that I wanted to add to the earlier report part. So we usually have a weekly sales meeting with, with our customer so that he knows exactly what the team has done for the one week. And it's absolutely similar to if they would have their own sales team, they would have these weekly calls. Mm. And then obviously we interact on day-to-day -day basis on any kind of a live opportunity that we're working with, because that's something that's required. But then reporting is not just through the CRM or other places, but it's also through a call or a meeting in case they, are, they happen to be close by, then we go and meet them on a weekly basis. Because that's a great way of, you know, exchange and collaboration as well. Uh, coming to your 
current question. Um, so usually, um, so as I said, you know, we do B2B sales. So sales cycle does from three months to six months time frame is a sales cycle for right from the first connect to the actual close uh, of the deal. And the, um, the average deal size will change, right, based on the product to product. If I speak very specifically about the first um, example that I took earlier of the company where we doubled up their revenue, uh, right. their average deal size was something like $25,000, right? $25,000 and it could go on to a little more than 100K as well. So okay. that was a range in which they would play. So smallest deal will be 25, 100K, so somewhere close to 60 was the average deal size that we were working with. Okay, this average deal size is, was for a year, an annual contract value? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay, that's great context. So we have 20 to 100K average deal values with a sales cycle between three and six months. You are able to double their revenue in nine months. That's a very interesting uh, outcome. With an onboarding that can be as short as one to two weeks with a ramp up time, definitely reaching around the three months. Uh, and of course, after that is just profiting, as long as you continue to build that pipeline and convert, you take care of the conversion. So your customers can rest assured that things are being handled and how can they control that? Well, there's reporting and there's a weekly meeting where you can have that feedback, show them how the pipeline's been progressing, any stock deals or any collaboration that needs to be worked on. I think that's pretty good context. So I'm going to end this episode by asking you, what would be three tips, three advice, pieces of advice that you can share with the audience if they are considering to hire you and they want to increase the likelihood that they'll achieve their results faster. What would you tell them they need to prepare? So I think three, three things. So first one I would say is that they need to be very clear on the objectives, what they want to give to us, the targets that they want to give to us. And they should start thinking that it is going to be one team that we are trying to create. It is not that I'm from a separate company and they're from a separate company. So some customers do come to us to say, hey, give me 20 enterprise level deals in a month is a target. Right. But we want to have one sales guy. Oh. And I would say, sorry, um, I was not able to hire a, the Superman. He joined somewhere <laughs> else. Right? So, uh, so that's, so let's be reasonable. We are also human. You are also human. You, and a lot of times you have a background that you tried to do sales yourself and now you've not been able to achieve a number. So be reasonable with that number. Let it be achievable. It can be a little bit of stretch for us because we say that we are we are good sales experts ourselves. Yes, I can have a stretch, but I can't have five times the number that you were able to achieve over a period of time. So let's be reasonable when we do, do the target setting. That's one. The second one is let's think it's a collaborative effort. And that's why we will keep on telling you what we are hearing from the market because we need your help to beat competition as well. So we keep on sharing that. You also need to sh keep on sharing whatever you've earlier heard or you are hearing right now. So let's be collaborative as we go into this because it's a win-win for both of us. If we, if we achieve the target, 
it is not just me who's going to get benefited by having a good customer. You will also get benefited of getting the target that you wanted to achieve. Right. Uh, so those are the two big, um, I think, things that we want to look at. And third is the level of preparedness that they should come up with, uh, which helps all of us to achieve the right kind of numbers for them. Okay, there are a few ideas there. I captured some that were, first of all, have a clear target audience. Sometimes they may not know exactly what they, who they're aiming for. That's yeah. something from what I've heard at the beginning. You can help with that. You can adjust that target. But the better prepared the buyer comes, the easier or the faster you guys can hit the ground running at Genactus Consulting. Number two, treat us as part of their, their team, as if we were internal. And that's something yeah. that I've seen when it comes to outsourcing sales. Many buyers just throw bodies at an issue and hope that it gets fixed automatically. But in reality, you need to continue to work in conjunction. Two, uh, third, I would say realistic expectations. If you've never done it before, yes, we are the sales experts. We can probably get better numbers, but not unrealistic numbers. We're not the supermans of sales. We are the best real humans at sales, I would say, right? Uh, so realistic expectations, the grow together goes hand in hand with the, hey, treat us as if we are internal, let's be aligned, let's be one team, let's grow together, me as an agency, but you as a company, if I help you grow, you're going to help me grow, uh, so it's a win-win for everybody, and that also uh, ties into, back to the first one, clear target, it's almost like the level of preparation from the buyer, the better prepared they are, the better things they have tried, then the easier is going to be for you to take those lessons and continue to amplify the message, build more pipeline, close more revenue. All yeah. right, wonderful. I like that, Chetan. Is there anything else you want to share with the audience before we end up this episode? Nothing in particular, but um, you know, uh, sales outsourcing is a great uh, way in case of achieving your numbers, in case you're not able to hire your own team. Or also, if you're looking for some expertise specifically for some time, so you look at us, uh, they, and that expertise could come right from addressing a specific market segment, and that could be a specific geo. You might have a sales team in US, but now you want to expand your sales and test waters, for example, in Asia, Pac, or India. I think we are great guys for that as well. So uh, it is not that, uh, again, it is creating some more channels for your own product sales or your services sales and that's it but nothing in apart from that i think wonderful chad and i think that's a pretty good advice if you're considering to grow get some expertise you can definitely find genactus consulting in the cloudtus marketplace do not hesitate get some consultation get at least an interview thank you so much for your time chetan thank you everyone for tuning in we'll see you guys on the next one thank you so much Ari. pleasure was all mine of being Goodbye. with you thank you Thanks. Awesome, Cheers, my friend. Bye.